0: Welcome back to the Community Online Podcast. Remember, you can always find us on Sundays streaming live at communityonline.tv. We hope to see you there. Hello, community. I want to start today with a question and also a confession. All right. We're going to start with a question and then a confession. So, first, the question How many of you love, I mean, you just love getting to share good news? All right. I do. I do. Uh, for example, I just found out that Tammy Melching, a friend and staff member, one of our teaching pastors, just got her first book deal. Now, she had no idea I was gonna announce this to the whole church, but I'm so excited for her. I decided, yep, I'm gonna tell everybody. Hey, did you hear? Tammy is writing her first book. Let's give it up, woo Come on, come on, there you go. See, it's fun, don't you love sharing good news? Or how about Celebration Generosity two weeks ago? We gave away more than $360,000. That's a lot of money to great difference-making causes. And that is so awesome. I've been telling everybody, people in our church, people outside our church. I mean, it's just fun. That kind of good news, it's fun to share good news. Or how about the Bears beating the Commanders a couple weeks ago after 14 consecutive losses in a row? I mean, it felt so good to finally post some good news on socials about the Bears winning. It just feels good to share good news. Am I right? I mean, it's fun. It's positive. But here's the confession. You ready? The confession. I think it might be people like me who kind of messed up sharing the good news of Jesus for people like you. I think it might be people like me who messed up sharing the good news of Jesus for people like you. And here's why I say that. Like many of you, my life was changed by the love of God and the life of Jesus. And again, like you, I wanted to share that good news with my family, my friends, my neighbors, so they could experience what I'd experienced. But the way I went about sharing that good news was not very helpful. I was one of those people, I was so eager, so excited. I actually knocked on the doors of my neighbors, uninvited, just to try to start conversations, spiritual conversations with them about Jesus. Turned out people don't like that. (laughs) Who knew? I even tried what they called street evangelism, you know, walking up to complete strangers like in the town square and attempting again to begin spiritual conversations. And I'd get that look. You know that look. It's the appropriate look they give crazy people. And here's my fear. Well, I would never do those things now. It might've been me and people like me for a whole generation that ruined sharing the good news of Jesus for people like you. And maybe that's why the very word evangelism, evangelism is like this trigger that we associate with a negative experience, a negative experience. And maybe that explains why according to Barna Research, Nearly half of millennial practicing Christians say it's wrong to evangelize. So confession. I think maybe it might be people like me that messed it up sharing good news, the good news of Jesus for people like you. And that's why when someone like me starts talking about evangelism, even right now, you might be tempted just to kind of check out, say not interested in the conversation, no thank you. However, if you're a follower of Jesus, that same Barnard Research study found that almost all practicing Christians believe that the best thing that could ever happen to someone is for them to know Jesus. So the truth is you want to share the good news, right? With your family, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, you want them to know Jesus because you personally, you know, like I do, the peace, the hope, the purpose, the love, that comes into your life from that relationship. And also deep, deep down, you know God wants to use you to help people in your life find their way back to God. And how do I know that? Again, more research. Here we go. Almost all practicing Christians believe that part of their faith means being a witness about Jesus. So let me ask you, what if evangelism was never meant to be an anxious conversation? What if sharing your faith was never designed to feel like you're pushing your beliefs on other people? And what if the good news was not supposed to be just good news shared, but actually it was good news received by others? So today we're gonna start a new series called Lost Cause. Jesus said his mission, the reason he came in Luke 19.10 was to seek and save the lost. And like Jesus, we too have a mission. As a matter of fact, his mission is our mission, to seek and save the lost. And while some might think this mission is a lost cause, Jesus didn't think so, and neither should we. And for that reason, I believe this series that we're starting right now is mission-critical for you and for me and for Community Christian Church. So there's two big objectives that we wanna accomplish through this series. First of all, objective number one, I wanna share with you our conviction that evangelism is not a lost cause. And and I'll start today with three solid biblical reasons. That's objective number one. Objective number two, at the end of each message in this series, we wanna share with you a simple everyday way to share God's love and the good news of Jesus in a way that people want to hear it and in a way that people want to receive it. All right, so here we go. I wanna just jump right in. Let's talk about these three reasons why evangelism, this word that kind of is a trigger for some of us, it's not, it's not a lost cause. All right, reason number one, this lost cause, lost cause is God's passion. In his letter to the Romans, Paul reminds us of this. He says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now that phrase, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, what it does there, that reveals God's great passion. You know someone's passion by demonstrated love, not just talked about love or felt love, but by demonstrated love um, over Labor Day. Um, I got on a plane. I flew to Washington, D.C. And I spent a long holiday weekend moving my son, Josh. Now, just between me and you, I kind of hate, I kind of hate moving people, all right? It's not my idea of fun. I was kind of looking forward to doing nothing over a few days that Labor Day weekend. But guess what? I'm passionate about my kids. So when he called and said he was moving and could use some help, I booked my plane ticket. See, passion is shown by demonstrated love. A couple of Saturdays ago, I got up at 5:10 a.m. so I could go pass out water and cheer for our community runners who are part of Team World Vision. They're training to run the Chicago Marathon and they did a great job and they raised a bunch of money for clean water. Do I like getting up at 5:10 a.m. on Saturday? Not really. But guess what? I'm passionate about running and I'm particularly passionate about our people who are running for a great cause. So when Jay Palmer Called and asked, said, hey, could you go out and encourage our runners? I set my alarm clock. Passion is shown by demonstrated love. Um, I recently went shopping at Hobby Lobby with my wife. (sighs) Hobby Lobby. (laughs) The place puts me in like a hypnotic trance when I walk in. (laughs) Just a reminder, passion is shown by demonstrated love. So when Paul says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. He's telling us that we are God's great passion, that he loves us, loves you, loves myself so much that while we were still in the very act of sinning. We're rejecting him. Jesus died for us. Passion is shown by demonstrated love. So reason number one why evangelism, okay, it's not a lost cause because this lost cause is God's passion. Reason number two that evangelism is not a lost cause is because this lost cause is Jesus' mission. Not only is the lost cause God's great passion, but again, it was Jesus' stated mission. Let's go right back to Luke 19. Jesus traveled to a town called Jericho, where he encounters a man named Zacchaeus, who everyone in the town despised because he was this hated tax collector. And imagine what this would be like in our day. I mean, Jesus is coming to our town. he's and, he, and he's choosing to hang out with maybe like the most notorious drug dealer or gang leader or Green Bay Packer fan, okay? And not only does Jesus not avoid this outcast, but he also invites himself over to dinner at Zacchaeus' house. And as the people in that town watch this happen, they begin to mutter to one another, he, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. And it's in response to their complaining that Jesus clearly and succinctly states why he came to earth, and he says it there. For the Son of Man, talking about himself, came to seek and save the lost. What I love about this is Jesus leaves no room for misinterpretation. He doesn't speak in metaphors or parables. He's very plain spoken that seeking and saving the lost is his personal mission. The lost cause is Jesus' mission. So, so not only is the lost cause God's passion, and Jesus' mission. There's another reason why this word that makes us feel uncomfortable is not a lost cause, evangelism. Reason number three, the lost cause is our commission. After his death and resurrection, the very last thing Jesus says before he leaves planet earth to return to the Father in heaven, he says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus leaves us with a challenge to adopt his personal mission as our mission. And our commitment to the lost cause should be just as passionate as God's and just as personal as Jesus. So there you have it. There's three reasons. Very clear. The lost cause is God's passion. The lost cause is Jesus' mission. And the lost cause, it's our commission. And for those three reasons alone, we absolutely cannot give up on helping people find their way back to God. All right. So maybe you're feeling the conviction of, of 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 that cause and the why. Okay, but how? How? I mean, how do we share the love of God and the good news, the good news of Jesus? Well, here's what I'm certain of. We cannot go back to the approach of a previous generation that has sometimes, sometimes treated people like projects or left them feeling like a group to be conquered or won. What we have to do we must approach people as people, just like us, who wanna be heard, who wanna be invited into relationship and wanna be empowered to live their own spiritual journey. And this brings us to our second objective for this series. We wanna share with you a simple everyday way to share God's love and the good news of Jesus in a way that people want to hear it and in a way that people want to receive it. Now, we call this way the blessed practices. And we believe these practices describe the way that Jesus carried out his mission. In fact, we believe bless is the way that God has always done it. Let me explain. I used to think, I used to think that God's mission somehow kind of started when Jesus came to earth, or maybe when when he commissioned his closest followers there in Matthew 28 to, to go and make disciples. But the truth is, as we look at our whole Bible, from the very beginning, our God has been a missionary God. And he had a mission for his people way back at the very beginning. Let's go all the way back to that first book in Genesis. Take a look at what God had to say in that first book, Genesis chapter 12, to Abram. He says this, "'Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you, and I'll make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I'll make your name great, and you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse.'" And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. Now, I don't know if you caught this or not, but one word, okay, gets repeated five times in just those three short verses. Did you see it? God says to Abraham, I will bless you and you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you. And not only that, all the people of the earth will be blessed, you get that? Through you. There it is, right in Genesis 12. God's very first strategy for reaching the world was a blessing strategy. And there's really no better example for what it looks like to go and bless than the life of Jesus. The the, the gospels, the biographies of Jesus, they give us numerous examples of Jesus teaching about the blessing, like on the Sermon on the Mount. Later on, he offered to bless the children. Come to me so I can bless you. And in the end, his whole life was a blessing. I mean, he was a blessing through his teaching, through his healing, and through loving people he encountered every day. And seeing that in the Gospels, me and some friends began to look closer at the life of Jesus to see if there were any recurring patterns and how we kind of befriended and blessed the people in his life. And the more we combed through the Gospels and the more we began to research, we began to see some simple practices he routinely used over and over again. And then we, we we kind of put them all together and then we put them into a memorable acrostic so you could grab, kind of get a handle on it. And it was blessed, B-L-E-S-S. Five Everyday Ways That Jesus Loved His Neighbor. And this is how we can join Jesus in his lost cause, by engaging in these simple everyday practices. And I'm telling you, these practices can help us revive evangelism, not as something we're afraid of, but instead of something we can embrace in a way that helps people receive the goodness of Jesus as good news. These practices can help people, the people we care about, the people we love, find their way back to God. The blessed practices are simple everyday practices that all of us can do to join Jesus in his lost cause. Let me briefly highlight the five blessed practices through Jesus' words and his own actions. B, all right, begin with prayer. When Jesus started his earthly mission, Luke 6 tells us that he went out on a mountain and he prayed. See, prayer is both how you discover your mission and how you live out the mission. And the way you share God's love is beginning with prayer. And you pray for the people that that you love or the place that you love. The people that God has called you to or the place that God's called you to. L stands for listen. Asking questions and then listening was central to Jesus' life and teaching. Consider for example, the blind man in Luke 18. Jesus doesn't assume the blind man wants to see. First he asked, what do you want me to do for you? And then he listened. Any relationship starts with listening to someone's words and their life. And in fact, I'll tell you what this, true listening Maybe the kindest and most loving gift you can give someone else. Then E, E stands for eat. <laughs> Jesus liked to eat. Over and over again, we see this. And we, like for example, in Matthew 9, we find Jesus with a tax collector. What, what's he doing there with the tax collectors and sinners? He's eating. In fact, it just says he was having dinner with Matthew, the tax collector. There's something about sharing a meal together that moves any relationship past acquaintance towards friendship faster than just about anything else we can do. Then comes S, the first S, serve. Jesus told us straight up, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. He modeled for us that once you begin with prayer, listen, and eat with someone, there's a good chance you'll discover how you can best love, how you can best serve that person that God is asking you to bless. And then finally, the last letter, the second S. S stands for story. When people were ready to listen, Jesus would share his story. Like when Doubting Thomas came to him asking, how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I'm the way. I'm the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When you befriend and bless people, they will feel relationally safe and in time will want to know your story. And then, and perhaps only then, you can tell them how the love of God and the life of Jesus has changed you. See, see, these are the five blessed practices. And at the end of each message in this series, we're gonna challenge you to live them out. And I'm gonna go back, I'm gonna go back to the first one to start with this first one, first practice. Be, begin with prayer. John Bunyan once said this, you can do more than pray after you've prayed, but you could cannot do more than pray until you've prayed. So prayer is where we must begin. And here's how we wanna challenge you to do that. Begin by praying, you ready for this? For eight of your neighbors by name. Eight of your neighbors by name. And I'm using the term neighbor like Jesus did, meaning the people in closest proximity to you. And if you wanna use it in relation to work, just ask who are the eight people in closest physical or relational proximity to me at work? You can do the same thing for where you play. For example, you might say, who are the eight people on my team or who are the eight other people I regularly see at the gym? Or it could be the neighbors who live on your street or in your apartment complex. If you do not know the names of your eight closest neighbors, find out, Google them, ask them, whatever it takes. I think so many of us feel intimidated by this word evangelism, but what I'm just asking you to do is just learn people's names. Okay, that's a pretty low bar, right? Just learn everybody's names. That's how a relationship begins. And every one of us can do that. And once you know their name, begin by praying for them by name every day. In fact, here's what I want to do. I want you to use this QR code that's on the screen. The QR code on the screen, go ahead, use that. And then download the handout so you can write their names in the boxes and then just tape this up somewhere in your house Put it somewhere in your house. Will you be able to see it every day? And it'll be a prompt reminder to you to pray. So here's our simple challenge for all of us. Set aside some time every day. It can only be a couple minutes, but every day to pray for each of these eight people by name. Every one of us can do this. We can all be begin with prayer. The lost cause matters. Why? Because people matter. I want you to bring to mind for a moment that family member or friend or coworker or neighbor who you would love for them to find their way back to God. You got it? I got one. Imagine how that person's life could be transformed by having a relationship with Jesus. You know you want that for them. And what I've experienced and what I know, what I believe is these simple practices help you share the good news in a way that others want to hear it and can ultimately help them find their way back to God. Let's join God in His passion and Jesus in His mission and live out the commission that He's given to us every day. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. Our mission is to help you find your way back to God. And by listening today, you've already taken your first step, and we'd love to help you take a next step in your relationship with God, the church, and the world. It's how we're all embracing the flourishing life that Jesus talks about, a life we call U+. Visit communitychristian.org to take a next step, learn more, give generously, and plan your visit. We hope to see you on a Sunday soon.